In Mzanzi, planting butternuts kicks off in August where the temperatures have started to increase after the winter months. And this week, we share a guide on how to get started. Now, farmers are in it for the long game. And our hashtag soil sister this week, Luyanda Sisusa, has been trying to make her farming dream come true for more than a decade. She is one of the amazing women selected for the Corteva Woman Agripreneur 2022 program. And our farmer tip of the week comes from Dr. Mpomaja, Animal Health Director at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development. This is Farmers Inside Track, supported by Food for Mzansi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. Hey ya and welcome to episode 144 of Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu. We kick off with that promised guide to produce butternuts in Mzanzi. Nicole Ludolf chats to Leshalachai Mojapelo from BK Agri Traders and Sechwarile Sesichona, founder of Yamaja Bitala. Thank you so much, Dawn. Leshalachai and Sechwarile, can you tell us when the best time is to plant butternut? Butternut is not a huge requirement in plants that needs so much thing to do. Yes, you can plant butternut after August, but then due to climate changes nowadays, we can even shift your date to late November because last year I planted late November and then I harvested in late Feb to March. The challenges in planting during that time is because you are going to experience too much rain, of which butternut doesn't require too much water. You are just going to have a little bit of a problem. But other than that, August in Limpopo can still work. I don't know about other provinces because in provinces like your KZN and Pumalanga, actually they receive too much rain throughout the year. So when you're planting butternut, you don't want to have your area waterlogged because too much moisture on the soil is too many diseases. From my side, planting not necessarily late August, but then in September works very well. Choosing the plant is so easy because it doesn't require too much work. You don't have to apply to too many fertilizers to eat. You don't have to apply so much pesticides to eat. You just have to withdraw your plants and then you will succeed. And then other than that, one thing I can add to that is that uh, you need to avoid planting during frosty seasons because the plants are going to succumb to diseases such as mildew. And then you don't want to be in that situation. It all depends on the budget. If you are in a place whereby there is rain, you can still use tunnels. You can plant them in tunnels and all those so that the rain can be out. You can try it in tunnels because the frost will be outside. But if you are an emerging farmer like us, a tight budget, I believe you have to do it in summer seasons. Whereby I planted it early Feb, then I harvested it early May. So I wanted to see if it will work because the content which we got is they planned this to this. But then again, if you can check the season, in February, it is still summer, meaning that can still accommodate just like in August, in September, November, and all other months. So avoid going to winters and swell if you don't have tunnels. We spoke about other diseases. It's true, you have to make sure that the land is not too much wet because you might get black rot. Well, that disease it's on the butternut whereby if they, the soil is too much wet, they can break again if there's too much wood. So you just have to irrigate the way you have to. The tree has to get 
1.5 liters per day for water. So in that way, and again, it's true that it doesn't require more water. So if it's, it's 1.5 liters, it means that in a drip irrigation, let's say you're using drip irrigation, they say in an hour it's, it's 2 liters. Less than an hour you can, you can do for a day. So it, it's much cost effective. It's much cheaper if you can just control all those things. What are the soil requirements for growing butternut? For every crop or for every plant that you need to plant, you need to know the type of soil you're working with. Testing the soil is good for your knowledge and then for crop specifications and then even for crop capabilities. So you know the kind of soil you are dealing with, the capability of the soil to sustain certain crops. In terms of butternut, you will be looking at a well-drained soil. It's more like a loamy to sandy soil. That's a well-drained soil, whereby the soil doesn't get saturated easily with water. There's ease of penetrations for roots. There's ease of infiltration, filtration of water. More specifically here, when you are doing your soil test, you'll be looking at your pH because the butternuts thrive well in a pH of 6.0 to, to 6.5, which is more likely a neutral pH. That's the kind of soil you will be looking at. This helps in because the butternut root stretches a lot, and then this will help you in terms of the roots in reaching for the water beneath the ground and the roots in reaching for nutrients beneath the ground. I think loom to sandy soil is the ideal one for emerging farmers or for anyone who would like to go into butternut production. Should farmers grow butternuts from seedlings? Between the seedlings and the seeds, for emerging farmers, I believe we are speaking for emerging farmers. I think actually the seedlings are better. Because with, with seeds, if I, let's say you have different people to, to plant, this you said can be done by hands. So someone will be very down there and it will take time to emerge to the ground or it can be even, uh, it can even die down there. But with seedlings, you can count your plants and you know that it's already out there. What you have to, to look again, you must make sure that control the cutworm, even though I haven't experienced it uh, from my side in particular. So I think seedlings, seedlings are the most, the best for emerging farmers. I mean, if you are doing 20 hectares, I believe seeds will be much effective than seedlings because there you will be using a tract unless you have the machine, as you said, uh, the machine of seedlings plant. So for emerging farmers, my advice is that let's use seedlings. They are more effective. They won't let you down because there are already there. There are trees, little trees you can see there. Yeah, I believe about seedlings. I used seedlings and seeds. So the seedlings did much better than the seeds. When I, when I planted butternut, because I wanted to see which one works more effectively, but the seedlings won the race. In terms of using seedlings, remember seedlings need too much care, especially when you're transplanting. When you're having excess, you need to transplant. That means separate the seeds. You need to be wary of not damaging the roots, because when the roots are damaged, obviously your seedlings are not going to grow. In terms of the seeds, I'll go back. As emerging farmers, remember we are, we are talking of people who are not good in terms of capital. So when they've, they've bought seeds and then they're planting, uh, it takes a lot to emerge, like my fellow farmer has said. And then that breaks the courage for farmers. When, whenever you're not seeing your plants emerging, you, you kind of lose hope because 
more especially in terms of bachelors because it takes so many days to we are talking about almost two weeks for them to emerge and then it can be longer when your debt is long that doesn't bring courage to farmers that's why we advise them to get seedlings based on their pockets another advantage of seedlings is because they are treated of course your roots are not damaged or they are not lodged then you are sure that the plants will survive, unlike in terms of your seeds, which might not emerge. And finally, when is the best time to harvest butternuts? Looking at the seedlings and seeds. For seedlings that are already out there, you can count three months to four months, it's fine with them. But with seeds, mind you, some will emerge faster than others. So you won't have uh, the same time period whereby you can say, okay, this is three months for these ones and three months. Mind you, they are just on the field. But with seedlings, you know very well that, okay, today I've transplanted. On the 1st of Feb, you know very well, okay, today I've transplanted. Then you know from that you can count, okay, three months to four months. Everything will be fine because they're already out there. But with seeds, it's very difficult for a farmer to keep track because others will emerge today, others will emerge after two days, others will emerge after three days. So it means that even growing their fruits won't be the same. So in that sense, there won't be a very good time relationship. That's why I always go with seedlings. They are already out there. Looking at the time, you can start counting your months, three months to four. Then, okay, now you know you are sure of that because there are already little plants there. Unlike the one whereby the other one at the far end will emerge today. Even others will come after two weeks. Depends. If they will come out or how did they have been buried? See, that's, that's the challenge with the seed, to, to keep record of the months. But with seedlings, it's much simpler because you know, okay, I've planted this. If you know after two weeks, you have planted this portion, after two weeks, you have planted this portion. That again, you know, okay, this will be ready at these two weeks, after these two weeks, this will be ready because there are already plants you can see there. But with seedlings, imagine there and there with different time frames. Actually, it's difficult to keep track. Thanks, Nicole, and great having you here on Farmers Inside Track. For more on this topic, you can also go to Food from Zanzi, that's www.foodformzanzi.co.za, or our YouTube channel, that's Food from Zanzi. Now, we know that farmers are really in it for the long game, and our hashtag Soil Sister this week, Royanda Sisusa, has been trying to make her farming dream come true for more than a decade. She's part of a year-long blended development program at the Gordon Institute of Business Science Entrepreneurship Development Academy. Luyanda, now it took you more than a decade to get you where you are today. Tell us about your farming journey to date. It was in 2007 when I was working for an NGO and we're doing community skills development. So they had a food garden for some of the beneficiaries who were planting some veggies there. So what I would do is when the stresses of the office would get to me, I'd go and sit with them and I would just de-stress. Every time I'd go and sit with them and just be in the garden with them and just help them out and go back to the office, I'd be so relaxed (laughs) and so focused. So I was like, in actual fact, I think this is something that I need in my life. So I decided in 2013. To leave corporate, I was doing events project management and do farming on a full-time basis. But the challenge then was access to land. 
I had applied with land reform in 2010 and was not getting any headway with that. But finally, in 2013, when I got the call to come for an interview, I was super excited, went for the interview and was only left with actually signing the contract to get estate-owned land. But something weird happened. For some reason, till today, no one can find my file. No one knows what's going on. So I got tired of that and I started working for my mentor, Cindy Sabella, who was based in Boschkop. That's when I actually got other skills, especially with growing your tomatoes and doing the peppers. She had a contract with Woolworths, so I got to get into the program where I learned how Woolworths actually would like to have their produce grown. She was diagnosed with leukemia, I think late 2014, early 2015, somewhere there, not quite sure. We tried to push everything, but because her husband is a doctor in everything and the doctors were telling her that she's not going to make it, he shut down the farm. Because it was just difficult to get land, had to go back to corporate. Started the whole process of looking for farmland to actually produce from. And I found a place that I could lease in April of 2019. Started leasing out the land, but it was extremely expensive. The person who was leasing it out was just not understanding how agriculture works because they want that particular amount on a monthly basis and you only produce seasonally and all of those things. And even though we had an agreement that when she sells the land, I will be first preference, she ended up not doing that. And I just got a call that actually the land has been sold. You've got to ship out, which was another blow. I think by then I should have just given up and just say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm not doing this anymore. Let me just leave it for the people who are meant to do this. But because I truly believe that God really put me in that NGO for a reason, and he made sure that there was a food garden in that for a reason, because he wanted to awaken the passion that I have for it. Because I've got other things that I love doing, but there's nothing that I love as much as farming. So I pursued and I found a place where I can work with no stress. I don't have to worry about paying ridiculous amounts of rental and all of those things. Now, I know in the story that was published on Food from Zanzi that you've had to face many obstacles. Tell us about some of these challenges and also the factors that motivate you. With infrastructure challenges, the previous farm that I was actually leasing, which is what I think strained me more than anything, is that it was not up to standard that you can actually use it. You can come in and actually start working. There was a lot of work that I had to put in. They had those plastic tunnel structures, but were completely dilapidated, which is something that I had to take out of my savings to fix those things. You're paying right here, you're fixing this there and all of those things. And basically, I was literally working for zero. With access to markets, I wouldn't say it's a challenge per se, because for me, I believe that you need to push yourself and you cannot wait for things to happen for you. So what I did is that uh, the minute that I plant just a few, and then once they are ready for harvest, I would package them and actually took them to your spa and your pick and pace and just show them that this is actually what I'm able to do. This is 
the kind of quality that I can produce for you guys and just ask the fresh produce buyer and just ask them if you would like to actually have such a thing. If the answer is yes, then that's the kind of crop that you'd actually do for them. And they will tell you how many packs they would actually expect from you on a weekly basis. So that's how I did my marketing and whatever else that they did not take, I would take to the Tswane market or the Joburg market. Some of them, but not many, would actually take to your hawkers around the township that's near me, which is Mamelodi. Now, I know that farmers really have big hearts. They do so much for their communities. What is your farm doing to give back to your community? I have been engaging with the NGO that I used to work with and just trying to find out if they still have beneficiaries who are interested in agriculture and also trying to get some information from your agriculturists to see if I've got a number of the youth and women who are interested into going into this industry what partnerships are out there that we can actually get them the right kind of training. I'm willing to take them on to come do their practicals where I'm working and just hold their hand because someone did that for me. And I'm here today because she saw something in me and she believed in me. And I'm sure that had she not had the unfortunate mishap, we probably would very far. And I think I would have my farm by now had that not happened to her. But I'm still here and I'm still going strong and I'm not going to be giving up anytime soon. I think the only thing that can stop me is the grave. Now, do you have any advice, especially for women entering the farming arena? Even last month, I was sitting with my mother and we're really talking about this. She's like, you're really not considering going back to corporate. I'm like, no, corporate is just not for me. This is what I want to do. This is who I am. And if I don't do it, I will never be happy doing anything else. So I guess for me, that's basically what has been keeping me going. Every time I get knocked down, I just remember, but this is who you are. It's something that comes from the core of you. It's not something that I saw and actually thought, hmm, this looks interesting. Let's see how far it takes us. I think if that was the case, I would have thrown in the towel like a long time ago. It's just not worth it. And I think another thing, the second thing that has kept me going is I want to prove certain people wrong. I've been asked a question which runs me off the wrong way, I think three or four times that you are a farmer, but you don't look like a farmer. What's a farmer supposed to look like? I even got that question when I actually went for my interview at Land Reform. Because for me, it's always been that thing that it's not just about the practice of farming. It's a business. And when I went for the interview, I felt that I'm going into a boardroom. I'm going to sell my business. So I need to look the part. So I had my high heels, I had my suit on, but you don't look like a farmer. I'm like, but what is a farmer supposed to look like? If I come here in my overalls and my boots and you say, I don't take myself seriously, how can I come to a meeting looking like that? So you need to choose your battles. I want to prove people wrong that there is no face of farming. As long as you've got the love of it and you've got the passion for it, Anybody can do it. And I would also really like to encourage youth to actually go into this industry because they still believe that it's a thing for old people who've got nothing better to do. 
And some of them even have the wrong idea about farming. It's that if I tell people that I'm a farmer, then people would start to respect me. That means I've got money. It takes a long time to actually get to that point where you can say, I've made it. I've got this. I've got so many livestock. I've got so many hectares that I'm running. Just to teach people that don't expect to be able to handle 100 hectares if you've never managed one hectare. It's a process. You need to take it a step at a time and not bite off more than what you can chew. Pace yourself. Eventually, you get to where you're going. Thank you so much for joining us here on Hashtag Soul Sister, Rianda Sisusa. She is one of the dynamic women selected for the Corteva Woman Agripreneur 2022 program. Agriculture is not just about farming. It's about caring, and that's an ideal worth preserving. It's super fresh, it's super soft, and it makes a meal a treat. It's super sure bread and super sure flour. A proud member of the VKB Group. From breakfast to lunch and even birthday cakes, Supershow makes the whole family smile. Find Supershow on Facebook or visit vkb.co.za for more info. VKB, for the love of the land. This is one of my favorite parts, guys, our farmer tip of the week. Dr. Mpomaja, Animal Health Director at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, shares some advice to dealing with FMD, that's foot and mouth disease in Mzanzi. Biosecurity, biosecurity. If we put that first and foremost, and not just with cattle, but with everything, with all livestock, with all your farming activities, be it chicken, pigs, you will go far. We cannot control diseases on our own. We need to hold hands. It is our responsibility to make sure that we do not spread diseases from one place to the next. And I'm hopeful that in the near future, we will again be on the same platform celebrating the end of FMD and hopefully not talking another disease, but something more exciting like how do we then maintain this new health status that we have achieved? And the answer would be, guess what? Biosecurity. And our farmer tip of the week from Dr. Mpormaja, Animal Health Director at the Department of Agriculture, Land Reform and Rural Development, brings us to the end of another exciting episode. Remember, if you love this podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. From me, Don Numdu, Nicole Ludolf, our producer Megan van der Fent, and the rest of the Food from Zanzi team, have a great week. Bye for now. Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a minute and tell me I'm wrong. Thank God for South Africans though, right? We're inspiring and even on the bad days, we fight back with a smile. That's why I love Food for Mzanzi so much. They're not ashamed to celebrate the ordinary unsung heroes who work every day to put food on our nation's tables. Go to foodformzanzi.co.za and never miss an inspiring story.